So my guest is Tandiswa Mazwai, who you were hearing there before we went to an ad break, because tomorrow she performs live for the National Jazz Festival, would ordinarily would be taking place in Grahamstown. So many of us would have been cold and freezing and in Grahamstown, but not to be because of COVID-19. So how are we going to experience this tomorrow when she can't be in Grahamstown, we can't be in Grahamstown, but the performance is happening. Tandiswa, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Hi, Tumela. How are you? Let, let's start with the song. I don't know. I'm fine. I don't know how you are. Are you fine? I don't know if I'm fine. These days when somebody says, how are you? With COVID-19 yeah. and everything. I don't really know how to answer that question. How are you? I'm having, having a very low day today. I'm very lousy today. Is it only today or is it been like sort of the, the, the mood of the times? Sometimes I'm okay. And, you know, today I woke up just mad. You know, mm. we've got this thing at the house called Depression Station. Mm. So I got off at Depression Station this morning. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I, I, I think you and I are on the same page, but mine seems to be an, a, a phase, not a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. My, my, the times are really tough for many people, and I think it's it's indicative of, of the times. Yes. So, this the song Transkai Moon. I mean, it dates back to two thousand and six from the album Zabalaza. Where where does it take you? The album actually came out in two thousand and four. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was it was re kind of issued in two thousand and six for oh, the U.S. market. I see. Okay. Um. So, oh yeah, you want to know about the song? Mm. I um when we when we were recording Zabalaza, the album. We we went through quite a lot of it, and then somewhere in the middle, um, I got a call from um, this young Afrikaans filmmaker who said, "Hey, I want to make a film about yourself and Umama Josin." Mm-hmm. And at that time, I hadn't met Umama Josin. I had only heard her music, and I was a huge fan. And so when she said to me, "Hey, do you want to come into this documentary?" I thought this is a chance of a lifetime, and so I agreed. And I left recording in the middle, and I went to go shoot this this uh, documentary, which um, is now very famous as being part of the Zabalaza process. Mm. Um, and while I was there, you know, Uma Matosini was teaching me how to play traditional concert instruments. They were teaching me how to make beer. Mm-hmm. And basically every single night was a huge party in the village, you know, where, like, old women were singing the whole night. And I, I found that the old women were the ones who were like the life of the party. Mm. They were the ones who were like the radio. They were singing all night and um, they just didn't sleep. They were just the life of the party. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I, I remember experiencing that documentary and even the pipes as well were part of the traditional rituals as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when I wrote that song, I, I, had, I had gone to bed already and the old women were partying as usual, and I was kind of just like, I can't, I can't go on all night like you guys. Um, so I went to sleep, and at some point, you know, they were singing this really incredible song, and I woke up, and I went to go sit outside, and there was a full moon outside, and Umamato Sini lives right on the edge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that song is just about that experience of being there and how magical the moon looks and how 
how amazing their voices sounded and the experience of just being immersed in like traditional cultural life, you know, which is something that I had always kind of visited as a child, but it's something that I hadn't done as an adult. And that was one of the first times that I went back to the Eastern Cape after my mother passed away and kind of immersed myself in the culture. So the song is a tribute to to that place, those people, that memory. Um, yeah, all of that. There was, um, for me, there was a bit of a, a texture that that experience added to your music. Would you say I'm right in that? Absolutely. I mean, the first songs we did were songs like Mizalongobani um, and Zavalaza. Those were early on mm. in the in the in the creation. Once I came back from the Eastern Cape, we did Nothing Lenze, mm. we did Chalkanin and um, what was the other one? Dilinde. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those songs just kind of really brought it home. Um, and also, the experience in the Eastern Cape gave us. Um, the interludes that are on the album. And I think the interludes really center the the entire album. It tells you that this is an album that pays tribute and honors our traditional music and honors our traditional way of life, honors something that is considered... um, that I guess, you know, uh, people that live in the cities don't consider that important, you know. And that album was about honoring that, honoring who we are, our culture and our beautiful history, our beautiful um, cultural knowledge systems. So, yeah, it did, it did definitely change the trajectory of the music. I also think there's nothing like coincidences. So that particular timing of doing that documentary with Mam Tosini, Mam Tosini at, that, at that particular moment where you have to break it kind of feels yeah. to me like that album would not have been complete without you having had that experience, if that makes any sense. No, yeah. I mean, it was definitely destiny that I should I should reconnect, mm. you know, because that's really what the album was supposed to be about. But I think that we hadn't actually figured out how mm. we're going to get there. Mm. Um, and the documentary just gave us that push in the right direction. And sometimes you can't quite go back to those moments. So you, you gather those moments, you live through those moments, they stay with you, and you can only but just visit them in your own dreams or in your own uh, being. But you, you can never bring them back, so to speak. How often do you tap into that, being able to be in that space where you fully embraced your culture, you were in that space, as you said, it had been the first time after your mom had passed that you went back there as an adult and took in that space? Yeah, I mean, um, after that, I was just kind of obsessed. You know, I would go back to the Eastern Cape almost on a monthly basis. Mm. Um, I, I, just, I just love... I love um, the feeling of home. Mm. I love that timelessness, you know, of the village. Mm. Um, and you're right; it's not something we can bring back with us to the city. But once you once you go there, you know, it just kind of lingers for a very long time, you know, as an experience. Mm. Um, it really does shift how you interact with the city, how you interact with other human beings, because there's also like a very heightened level of Ubuntu yep. in the village that doesn't necessarily exist in the city, you know, and it's something that um, I miss about about us as a people, you know, this ability to be kind to strangers, to be 
um, to be affectionate, yeah. you know, um, to be present mm-hmm. in the experience that we have with other people. What? I think we can't leave that behind when we're in the city. You're talking of, and I get it, you speak of a different type of connectivity when you're in that kind of environment where there is just um, simplicity, um, there's more... You I connect. think it's the silence. Yes. The you silence can... allows you to kind of meditate. Yeah. So what impact does that have when you create being in that space? Well, every time I create, I do that. Mm. I kind of... Uh, I. Um, allow myself to to arrive at a meditative space mm-hmm. um, because I, I I consider myself a conduit, mm. which means that I do have to empty myself of myself in order to be a portal for for what I think are divine ideas mm-hmm. to find their way into everyday experiences. Um, so yeah, I just kind of I, I just meditate and silence myself so that I can hear. Um, these kind of pure messages that are not always tainted by my um, my ego as a human being, but rather messages that need to be heard. For instance, a song like Nizalongobani, I could have never imagined that that song would become so important to people. Mm-hmm. But I think that the purity that we... Um, that we espoused when we were in the studio allowed us to create something that could change how people viewed their world, you know. Everywhere I go, that particular song and that particular album um, it has really affected how people see themselves traditionally, culturally. Um, and I think that uh, that question, Ms. Anangobani, landed in people's ears in such a way, in people's spirit in such a way that forced a lot of young people to to answer it for themselves. Mm. So, yeah. How does then it, then it work for you? Are you able to time that space that you would be feeling the urge to, to, to write something and sing something with studio time? Does it always work at the same time? No, it doesn't always work at the same time. And it's actually okay um, because when an idea comes, it needs um, it needs expression. I mean, it needs that space. Yeah, it, it just needs that space, you know. And um, studio can sometimes um, make ideas quite sterile. Mm. Um, so because it's so formal, you know, you're standing behind the yeah. microphone and you're doing it. So the writing process is, is a lot more, um, uh, I would say, is a lot more ethereal for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it happens, you know, while I'm driving, while I'm sleeping, while I'm just sitting there in my study trying to think of something else, mm-hmm. and then an idea will arise, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I like that. I like the the, the simplicity of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you don't have to have a perfect idea yeah. in the very beginning. You can just you just get an idea, and then you go into the studio to try and perfect it, mm-hmm. to try and um, make it melodic or you know whatever it is that is required. But it usually just kind of happens um, away from the studio, yeah. the writing. Yeah. yeah. Wakwazula is the, the another song that you chose that we're going to play. What mm-hmm. does this, where does it sit in your heart, this song? Well, the song Wakazula is on my uh, jazz album, mm-hmm. 
uh, which was named after my mother, Benete. Um, and um, what I, when I recorded that album, I think it was 2016, yeah. when I recorded that album. And um, uh, I think the story is that, you know, I had gone through a very long period of depression after Mambusi's death. Mm-hmm. I had gone into this space where I really just didn't want to sing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I didn't want anyone to sing. I was like... Listen, if Mambus is not singing, everybody shut up. Mm. <laughs> so I, I spent a lot of... And, and then I moved to London because I just couldn't be around, mm-hmm. you know. So I went to London and I was miserable. I came back home, I was miserable. And it was going for a really long time. And I started thinking of ways to try and get myself out of that depression. And um, the, the best way for me was to engage gratitude. So I said, okay, fine, let me try saying thank you. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully it will lead me to creating again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the album uh, was created as a way of paying tribute to musicians who had influenced me in my youth. Um, and some of whom had become friends and mentors. People like Bhutin uh, Klono, Hugh Masigela, Mira Mageba, Letambulu. People that I had been blessed to have sat at their feet and learned something from them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that I consider to be of great value to, to myself as a human being, not only as a musician, but as a person. Um, these musicians kind of, you know, uh, uh, represented such a, a great love, you know. Um, and they taught me a lot about that, about being um, giving of your gifts and... Um, using love as your kind of um, prevailing way of being. I mean, so, it's, yeah, it's it's quite something to do that for some of them who are still alive, and and here you were also giving of yourself and paying tribute to them in songs that they had sang, and to get mm-hmm. a nod from them. I mean, what was that like? <laughs> I mean, that was incredible. Um, that was incredible. It was incredible to 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 get um, to get support from, let's say, Mum Dorothy Masuku, who was still alive at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, in fact, Mum Neta and Jatikasa Semina came to the launch of the letter. They were in the audience, mm. and you know, Jigijela was, I think, the first song in the in the set. Yeah. And I was like, how am I going to do this with Mum Neta here? <laughs> Um, but that was that was the uh, that was the idea. The idea was to um, I don't know what the word is in English, but mm. um, ukul To humble yourself, yeah. Yeah, to humble myself at the feet of these greats, and to say to them that their music was so much more than just melody. Okay. That it was life changing. It was affirming. Um, that the experience of knowing them personally was, um, was, you know, it, it offered a lot of growth to me, and so I just wanted to be able to, to be thankful. It was a gift. Um, and I think a, an easy, a great way of healing yourself is to begin with being thankful for the, for what you have. Mm. Um, so that was how I was going to heal myself. And Waka Zula was uh, a song that Nambusi sang on her final album, mm. which. I think a lot of people haven't heard the album, and I, I would say you should definitely go and listen to it. Um, 
you know, because of the power of hearing the words of someone who knows that that they might be in their last lap. And so what do you write? What do you sing when you when you uh when you suspect that this might be the end, you know? Um and that album for me is really beautiful. So I sang Wakazina as well, but um this was in tribute to Mambu Simsongo. And so what happens is that at the very end of the song, I, I, um, I speak mm-hmm. as a tribute to Mambusi and the, the, the rendition that she did of that song. Mm-hmm. So it's a traditional, it's a, it's a, it's a hymn, but um, I've also kind of juxtaposed it with um, traditional expression and uh, traditional cadence in the voice. Tandisa, you know, you, you speak of how, how grateful you are of some of your mentors and people you were able to learn from. I think it's such an important thing to remember, as you said, you know, recognize the gift, remember people who have gifted you. I think it's also important for us to tell you that you've gifted us with fantastic music. Thank you for talking to us today. I wish you all the best for tomorrow. And I'll give people details. Where are you going to be performing from? Um, we're going to be uh, getting the, the filming will be happening at um, at the market theatre. Okay. Uh, but then it will go on the performance. You can watch it on uh, uh, arts. What is it? National. I'll give the details. I've got the details of the program. Yeah. Oh yes, thank yeah. you. No, no, don't, don't worry. Anything. I'll give it to them. I will. Oh. All the best, and thank you so much. And and you really are a gift to to our culture. To, to you gifted us with so much beautiful music. It heals our souls. It grows us. It really makes us better people, and it also anchors us. Thank you very much, and all the best for tomorrow. Thank you so much, Rina. Have a good day.